0: Welcome to Forum 2000 online chat. My name is Irena Kalhousová and I'm an assistant professor at Charles University in Prague and a member of the program committee at Forum 2000. It is my great pleasure to welcome Helena Kennedy, Baroness Kennedy of the Shoals. Baroness Kennedy is a Scottish barrister and a labor member of the House of Lords. Hello and welcome. Hello. Today we. Today we will talk about the future of Scotland. So in May 6 election, voters in Scotland showed an overwhelming support to Scottish National Party, which won 63 seats, which represent over 47% of votes. Conservative, Conservative Party won 31 seats and the Labour Party 24. SNP fell short of an outright majority in the 129 seat chamber by one. Can we please start with the basics with with the past what are the roots of the independence movement in Scotland
1: well let let, let me let me start by explaining something about the about the historical position um, with regard to Scottish politics. Um, Scotland, um, um, certainly in my whole lifetime, and you can see that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. Um, In my lifetime um, and and growing up in Scotland, Scotland was essentially a Labour voting country. Um, It it always had a very strong uh, egalitarian ethos and that was, of course, because there was a very large industrial working class. Um, there were shipyards, there were mines, there were steelworks, there were all those things that, uh, that, that gave jobs to working class men. And of course, there was a big immigrant community from Ireland. And in fact, my forebears were Irish and there was quite a significant Irish, um, uh, Uh, community in the lowlands of Scotland. There were also very old Catholic families, um, um, you know, ordinary people who are Catholics in the islands who dated back to pre-Reformation times, um, who'd been Catholics forever and a day, you know, and had never um, abandoned their faith. And because they were in remote islands, um, somehow they, they maintained uh, uh, their religion against what was happening in the nation as a whole, historically. So, um, although Scotland is a Protestant nation, um, there are these large pockets of, of, uh, of Catholicism. Now, um, uh, uh, the Scottish Nationalist Party always had its roots in the Protestant tradition, and so um, uh, it uh, um, it meant that it was quite hard for it to get a majority until a great change happened in our society, and I think that um, one of those changes was that um, that, they, they, that that sort of idea that you couldn't be a Scottish nationalist um, if you were a Catholic because. Scottish nationalism and that pride in it was very much about a Protestant ethos which felt very exclusionary to Catholics and so they were anxious about um, uh, Scottish nationalism would be not very helpful to to, um, immigrant Catholics from Ireland. So And of course, there were also Italian immigrants from the Second World War. There were also Polish immigrants, and they also tended to be Catholics too. Catholic communities were worried about Scottish nationalism. Well, the the thing that happened that changed things were twofold. One was um, that uh, the uh, Labour Party um, became... um, a different kind of Labour Party from the one that had normally um, operated in Scotland. During the, the Blair years, the new Labour years, um, there was a sort of strong sort of a- a- adoption of neoliberal economics, um, this whole idea that the welfare state should shrink, mm-hmm. that, um, uh, that uh, uh, there should be lower taxation, and... Um, uh, that uh, just a whole sort of privatizing of um, things that had been public in the public domain, like uh, the railways, like the uh, like water and electricity, in the in the Thatcher era and beyond, that had started happening. And rather than uh, New Labour resisting it, they accepted all of that, and they they. They became a sort of modern, um, more liberal, sort of uh, fairly conservative sort of party. Certainly, when it came to economics, they they went along with the whole neoliberal idea, and uh, and that was that didn't that rankled with many Scottish uh, Labour people, um, who felt that they were um, uh, resisting uh, the, the 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 traditions which had been about looking after um, the, the wider community. Um, there was also the business of the Iraq war. Scotland was absolutely abhorred by, by, the, by um, our joining in with um, the Bush administration in the Iraq war. And they demonstrated and, uh, and the resistance was was considerable. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the good thing that happened in the new Labour years, and I say this as a Labour person, was that, um, uh, and I was very involved in it, um, was that I led a constitutional reform movement called charter eighty eight, and the title will be uh, very familiar to uh, people in your your part of the world. Um, the charter eighty eight stole its name, of course, from uh, charter seventy seven. and uh, and what we were saying was, after all those years of, of conservatism and, the, and different parts of the country were restless, we said there should be greater devolution. People mm. should be making decisions closer to where they are. And so we, um, we, had a, we created a whole agenda for change. And we, we encouraged New Labour to have a modernisation agenda for the, for the constitution that there should be a Freedom of Information Act, that there should be reform of of, of Parliament and much more, if you like, um, many more parliamentary committees holding the executive to account, um, that there should be devolution to Northern Ireland, Wales and Scotland, and um, and that there should be a Bill of Rights which was incorporating the European Convention of Human Rights into English law, because of course we were from the common law tradition, and it was um, it was really a moment of real change on on that sort of sort of architectural uh, uh, um, foundations of the way that our, our union of nations might work, and um, and that in many ways um, created a, a sort of shift and it happened at a time where uh, of course it meant that there was a scottish parliament and the Sc- labor was in control we got most most of the votes for it um, but it was designed in a way with poor proportional representation so that the, nobody should be you know controlling it completely on their own it meant that there would have to be coalitions and that would have to be a listening to all the different sections of 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 the society well um people after the Iraq war, people would be more and more disillusioned with uh, labour and they felt abandoned um, by uh, new labour in that it didn't feel real to them. And the the, the very successful shift that the Scottish nationalists took, which was that they rather moved away from this sort of very conservative, sort of nationalist uh, party that it used to be, to becoming a party of the sort of centre-left. It really took the place of labour.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it adopted been a sort of labour positioning on the side of ordinary families. We're on the side of, but um, who are proud to be Scottish, we are not like the, the, the rest of the, the nation. We've got our own traditions. When they talked about nationalism, they didn't talk about it in the... Um, I've got to be very careful with the language I use here, but it was not ethnic nationalism. It was a nationalism which was civic nationalism. Mm -hmm. And so it said it doesn't matter if you're a Pakistani Scot or if you're an Irish Scot or if you are an Italian Scot or a Jewish Scot. doesn't matter what kind of Scot you are. If you're a Scot, you're a Scot and we embrace you all. And our nationalism will be about... You as a valuable citizen um, who deserves uh, respect and your d- dignity to be um, maintained. And we will be there for you as a state when things go wrong, when you need health care, when you get old and so forth. So I'm telling you that as my, I was brought up in a very ordinary family in Scotland, I was lucky because of very good state education. In Scotland, and I um, had a higher education. I became a lawyer, a barrister. I've, I've become a Queen's Counsel, and I've ended up in the in the higher, you know, the the House of Lords, which is part of the legislature. And so, those opportunities were made for me, undoubtedly, by a Labour Party in the post war period um, that made it possible for children of families like my own um, to have opportunities. And uh, and so. Um, that language is very important in the in the culture of Scotland about giving opportunities, um being proud of uh, your education system and um and so uh, the Scottish National Party adopted that rhetoric mm-hmm. and uh, and and they've been very good about talking about women's rights. they um, have been very fostering of um, of a sort of sense of unity. And and of course, they've always been able to blame England, Westminster, the the overarching United Kingdom Parliament for any of the disadvantages that were suffered by the Scottish people. So Labour, of course, um, went out of favour and many of the votes of, uh, of ordinary citizens and the young. And that resistance, for example, that the Catholic community used to have disappeared. Because of course, young people—you know—they're not as religious. They're not as—they uh, they intermarry. They uh, and they don't marry, and they uh, and they're gay and they're straight, and they and so they people have um, very different um, ways of living and different ways of having families and different aspirations, and so the Scottish National Party seemed to speak to them in a way that the Labour Party didn't. So. That was very interesting. Then there was a moment where the Conservative Party, which had almost been obliterated in Scotland, um, started rebuilding itself to fill the other gaps for the people who didn't like the kind of left turn of the Scottish National Party, um, revitalised Scottish conservatism to be a more progressive kind of conservatism. So even Scottish conservatism is more... um, it's, it's it's more liberal if you like with a small l than um scottish conservatism south of the border mm. so, or uh, english conservatism mm. so um it's um it's very interesting different politics and um and i would say that um at the moment um uh labor has not recovered and and it's very it's interesting because i live in london i now i'm i I'm now you know i a, 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 a sit in the uh, house of Lords but I'm also an international lawyer and I do a lot of work um, on international human rights and uh, and uh, my case load is is very international so um I live in London but I um, we have for a long time had a house in Scotland and I go up and down to Scotland a lot and um, my sisters and my family all live there, my relatives and um, and it's very interesting to see that the younger generation, Many of them have become Scottish nationalists, although we were what we used to be called a labour family, but that's not Mm -hmm. true anymore.
0: So in 2014, in referendum on independence in Scotland from the UK failed after 55% of the Scottish public voted against it. So, that the fourth consecutive victory gave SNP a mandate for a new referendum or? Do you think Boris Johnson is right when he says that the referendum in 2014 was once in a generation and now it's not time for another referendum?
1: Well, it was described as a once in a generation event, even by the Scottish nationalists. Um, And um, I should make my position clear, which is that um, um, I I don't want to see the United Kingdom disintegrate into smaller entities. um because I think that there is a the checks and balances of having um uh, you know different parts of this un- united sort of kingdom the different the different parts help to leaven uh, some of the some of the uh, ways of thinking that operate in different places. you know, you get a better discourse by having the the if you like, the more um, communitarian politics of Scotland and of Wales with a, a, a much more sort of um, um, individualistic sort of uh, politics of, of certainly Southern England. Um, but, but I and mean, that's very gen, um, generalizing, so please don't take me too literally. But um, the, the, I think in the modern world, we're too small to start turning into slith- slithers of nations. I would prefer that we stayed together. However, um, if we look around the world, similar things are happening in other places, which is that the politics of identity has become a very powerful force in all of our societies. and and we see this business of um, of people um, basically, how they describe themselves is quite interesting. They often will, um, uh, um, you know, speak to their if the original ethnicity, which goes back to their grandparents, or um, they will speak about their religious um, allegiances um, or the, their identities take on many different forms. And so um, that has... Um, is, is I think something we see in lots of places. I would emphasize that I do think that the the nationalistic instincts in places like Scotland or in Wales are are not they're not ethnic centric. They're not saying we don't want you because you're English. It's not it's not like that. I mean, there might be a few people who think those kinds of unpleasant things, but it mainly is about an inclusive idea of creating a, a small nation, but which will um, is enriched by immigration. and um, And there's no hostility to immigration. Scotland is a much, much more accepting. We had a, an interesting event last week where in Scotland, Um, the immigration force, which is run from Westminster, um, sent um, immigration officers to uh, deport a couple of um, uh, Afghani uh, people who um, they said were illegal immigrants and who had come, um, you know, found their way into Britain and they said were not really asylum seekers. And uh, and the local community had got to know these men and liked them and felt they were making a life in in Scotland. And the, the people come out in huge numbers and prevented the immigration officers yeah. taking them away Yeah, we saw and the so, pictures it was, it was pictures. incredible yeah. and so so it's it's a sort of reflection of um the ways in which the the the, the 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 thinking um can often be different in different parts of the country so i think that um uh it's rather interesting the point the position we've got to now is that the scots wanted to remain in the european union they voted by a significant majority i mean i, I mean seriously it was sort of like nearly two thirds w- voted to stay in the european union and so they feel outraged that now um you know here here we are um the the the, the the Johnson administration, Boris Johnson and his uh, and his people, who are the hard right of the, the Conservative Party, who sort of almost well, who kind of exiled and got rid of most of the sort of liberal conservative voices, the the, the one nation conservatives, you know, who wanted to hold everything together. Um, I would say that they very recklessly. Um wanted out of the European Union for very uh, um, uh, narrow um, uh, ideas of uh, uh, of what um, and resistance to, you know multilateralism, a sort of trumpian uh, attitude to the importance of multilateralism and not liking international courts and all of that. And so, um here they are. they're now having to rush around trying to get contracts from with other parts of the world. So they've turned to Australia. Australia, what is what's a great product from Australia apart from its wine? It breeds lamb. It breeds it breeds it breeds sheep and 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 cattle, but but sheep on a huge scale. And of course, they've got massive land. What does Scotland and Wales do? They produce lamb. But They can't possibly compete in size. Um, uh, with uh, with Australia, and Australia doesn't meet the standards which were set in our conjunction with Europe to have high standards on food. So you'll get um, all kinds of cruelty towards animals and things taking place, but also probably the use of chemicals and inject hormonal injections and things to produce fatter lambs. Um, but what our our uh, farmers now, our sheep farmers in Britain, are saying is, what is this going to do to us? And uh, you've closed our market with Europe and, and we're having to, the, you know, Europe buying from us is going to have to pay tariffs and there's tariffs in either direction. But you're offering a no tariffs deal to, to uh, Australia. They're going to flood our markets with, with lamb and you're going to put us out of business. And so there's, there's going to be on many fronts that's going to happen mm-hmm. because these guys are having to rush around to get contracts. So Scotland is going to become more and more Um, inclined to think, these people don't care about us. And so I I feel, and I think that if I were living in Scotland, I would be feeling the same sense of anger. Um, And so I do think there's going to be a problem. Um, uh, And I think that the risk is that not immediately because we're dealing with a pandemic, but I think that um, that very adept leader in Scotland, uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister, I think that uh, she's a very good politician, um, uh, and uh, while I would not want to see Scotland, you know, s- separating off, I can see the arguments becoming very compelling to Scottish people to say our interests are better served by going it alone, mm-hmm. and I do think that Europe, actually, um, would probably um, uh, uh, embrace Scotland. Um, um, With uh, you know and speed up the processes, it's not quite the same as uh, Catalan uh, wanting or you know um, different parts of Spain. I think it's a rather different thing. I think that um, uh, Scotland would be able to to find its way back into Europe fairly quickly. So uh, you know, there are there are real there are real risks that we're going to see um, uh, uh, the union split. And I think that the same thing could happen in Ireland um, because of the anger that there now is in Northern Ireland about what they felt was a deception in the way that um, Brexit was being sold, the deal at the end was being sold to them.
0: Yeah that was my next question, If, if, and, and, and probably the last unfortunately, but uh, if Scotland can actually inspire Wales and uh, Northern Ireland, if uh, you know we can see some kind of a domino effect, uh, uh, which will lead at the end to the, you know, dissolution of the of the United. And Kingdom. what do we? And what do we become? What do
1: we call ourselves? You can hardly call yourself Great Britain when you only you're only England. Um, uh, what do you call yourself, Little Britain, or uh, just England? Um, uh, I mean, I, I think it would be unforgivable. Um, uh, if that's what happens, um, but in, you know th- this government that we currently have, um this Brexit government, has never listened to the Scottish people properly and um, and there's a great resentment about that. Um, and of course, it's the same that's felt in other parts of, of the United Kingdom. So I, I think that we're, this is a what I would call a constitutional moment of some significance. I mean, when I say a moment, we're talking about over the next three or four years. Um, uh, uh, Boris Johnson is now changing the law back again. The Conservatives, when they came into office in coalition with the, the Liberals back in, in uh, uh, 2010, they changed it so that we're fixed term Parliament for five years. Now they're going to change it back again. Why do you think they're doing that? I think they're going to call an election in 2003, quickly before. Uh, uh, Um, the Scots can do anything about uh, a referendum. I think that, um, I don't think Labour will, um, I don't know what the position will be with Labour, but um, um, there is a, a, you know, if he calls an election, he'll call it at a time when it's most beneficial to him and to the Conservatives. And he will not wait until the criticisms over how he's handled COVID at the beginning, which was disastrous. Um, and, uh, and uh, pathetic and the corruption of giving so many contracts to his friends and friends of the Conservative Party. All of that, they'll will, will, will get an election in before all of that comes out in, a, in, a, in an inquiry. And so um, uh, I, um, I, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens in, in, the, in the next um, period, but I think there's going to be a serious constitutional crisis.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, really turbulent times are <laughs> in front of us and uh, we will all be watching, uh, you know, the country which used to be such a, in a way, boring country for so many years, you know, so suddenly Brexit and, and all these things, uh, it's it's interesting because it was boring in a good way. <laughs> Uh, it was
1: boring in a good way. You're absolutely right. And boring in a way that was respectful of the rule of law, respectful of international law, and yet we're increasingly seeing disrespect for these things, which are very close to my heart as a lawyer. And um, and so um, I, I, I am anxious, and I don't say that from a political partisan point of view. I'm anxious because um, I think our world relies upon um uh the, the the mature democracies to behave in ways that are going to be um a source of inspiration to other countries um where democracy had to disappear for a long time or where there were, never was democracy and uh and for all my criticisms of my own government it from over years at different times and we need to do that you need to be critical to get the best out of government but um but uh we were once a place to which the world looked because it was the mother of parliaments, it was a a, a seat of great uh, 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 lawmaking and legality and with an uncorrupt judiciary
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so on. And those things still remain, but we're having to fight to retain them.
0: Yes, not only in, uh, in the UK, in many other countries uh, uh, as well. Uh, I know. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for your insight because it was really, really interesting to see it from someone who is uh, so much part of it. Uh, so again, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, yes, see you. See you at Forum 2000, hopefully. I mean, in person very, very nice to meet you. Bye-bye. You.